As far as I'm concerned, as long as that same respect and recognition is not shown toward every one of our people in this country, it doesn't exist for me. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to have just an off-the-cuff chat between you and me, us. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Today's episode might be a bit different to the kind of previous formal formats because today is just going to be an informal chat with a dear friend of mine, actually. Today, in part, actually, is inspired by what James Baldwin says is intellectual friendships. And that is further reinforced by Nina Simone when she says, you know, she never spoke about men or close with her friends it was literally about marx lenin and revolution and you know you know i have i have many friends but as it goes many of your friends may not be interested in the things you are interested or you find the opposite you find people who are interested in what you're interested in but you don't want to be friends with them <laughs> so i'm glad today i'm speaking to someone who has combined both those characteristics for me and that I is a friend and we just like chopping it up how are you christian I'm good, man. That was a very, you know, that was a very kind intro, you know, to be, nah, you know, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you see me in that light. I also see you in that light, bro. So nah, thank you, man. Thank you, man. It's been, uh, for context, for background, me and Christian, we've been in conversation, I think, was it December time? Yeah, it's been since December, yeah. Time has flown, though. Almost five yeah, months. Yeah, facts, facts, facts. Almost five months speaking, like, every day. <laughs> yeah, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> Literally, literally and then that is crazy like, like that. Yeah. Nah, it really is. It really is. But yeah, we're chopping it up, man. Chopping it up today. So where's your mind at these days? What are you, what are you thinking of, bro? Man, what I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I go to, I go to, I work, you know, like pretty much five days a week. So I think about mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. I think about friends. I think about family. You know, I'm a recent college graduate. So I guess, you know, I'm you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to, you know, enter this stage in my life in, in which I'm trying to break away from the, from the kind of, you know, mode that I was in when I was in school, which was just, you know, constant place of stress and, and trying to sort out things as it comes to, you know, working, uh, being an adult and mm. uh, cultivating, you know, healthy relationships in my life. That's, that's really where, where my head's at. Nah, I hear that, man. I hear that, man. And in terms of like, Again, I don't want to make this so formal. Let's just do it. We can just chat, bro. We can just chat. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. some of the what's some of the things you're thinking of in terms of like politics wise? Like what what things are you thinking of recently? I mean, for my kind of context, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't feel like you I mean, you said something beautiful the other day. You said that, you know, intellectual kind of the intellectual journey will be filled up with or is kind of paved with several disillusionments. And that has been lingering in my mind for quite some time. The reason why it's been lingering in my mind because I find it to be so flipping true. Like, I mean, if you, I can't, people will ask you, oh, what kind of radicalized you? Or what kind of, you know, got you developing a revolutionary politic or whatever it may be. And I can't point to certain things, but all I've known is that for, for quite some time, I've been interested in, you know, in the idea of race and why an anti-racism work, even though I kind of hate that term now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can unpack that term. Yeah, we can yeah, unpack that. Yeah, we can unpack yeah, yeah. yeah, the why. But, you know, anti-racism and anti-blackness and all these things. And obviously it's been, that's been a, a consistent and constant in my life for quite some time. But as you get older and you read more, you develop more your ideas and, you know, the kind of overarching principle 
or question we're thinking of is where do we locate liberation, for example? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, through our conversations off, obviously not on this, but, you know, privately, we spoke a lot about, you know, developing a Marxist framework or developing an um, anti-capitalist approach. So my question to you is why, you know, like, why do you have an anti-capitalist approach and what led you to that direction when it comes to thinking about issues of race? For sure. Yeah, man. I think, you know, for me, you know, as, as a black person, I always had, you know, this kind of desire to approach the question of race and, you know, mm-hmm. coupled with personal experiences, you know, things I'd observe, you know, whether they be firsthand or you mm-hmm. know, those around me. I was always concerned with the question of, of race. Yeah. However, you know, at, at some point, you know, when I was kind of entering college and stuff and furthering my intellectual journey, you know, I, I just started getting more into it was actually Cornell West. And uh, it was reading his book, you know, Prophecy Deliverance. You're in, you're in the and, greatest company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you, you know, we both love him very much. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think he's been very integral to both of our, like, intellectual journeys. But, you know, reading Prophecy Deliverance, in, in, which is a book in which, you know, I was also going through some serious, you know, kind of religious, you know, struggles as a, as a Christian. Mm. You know, I think college and, and coming into adulthood is, is an era in which, you know, you, you kind of, uh, try to make sense of your childhood, the things that you've been yes. taught, and try to reconcile those things. So I was going through a deeply like religious journey, you know, and I was I was coming to face with questions of injustice, and uh, mm. you know, like I, I started to get drawn to liberation theology and Black liberation theology, yes. and then I stumbled upon you know Cornell West's Prophecy Deliverance, in which he tries to yes. you know kind of uh, create a project in which he combines you know the the, the individuality of the Black prophetic radical Christian tradition, along with yes. the great collective project that is Marxism. Um, and so mm-hmm. then I got interested in Marxism and, and you know, kind of, you know, getting deeper into how, you know, these kind of racial inequities and, and racism is, is buttressed and inextricably linked to, you know, mm-hmm. an economic mode of production. And we, we must always, you know, have that good, you know, material analysis. Material analysis. <laughs> Christian, for you, those who don't know, Christian be heavy on the material analysis. And, and that's definitely infused into me recently. And further reinforced, I mean, we're reading right now, currently Black Jacobins. And the first chapter is property. And it kind of, whilst reading that, I mean, I know we're going to speak more about it, but whilst reading Black Jacobins, I can't help but think of what Dr. CBS said to me, which came first, race or capitalism? And also, you know, indeed you're saying similar things that, you know, we have to understand capitalism as a system of economics that kind of divides people into labor and all too often that labor is, has been divided on racial lines. Right, right, right. So again, so then, so, okay, so carry on, bro. Tell me what, like, what else continued your intellectual journey? So you started off Prophecy Deliverance, great place to start. We both love Cornell West. Uh, funny enough, it's funny, it's, I think it's quite funny that we, we met in the way that we did because... You know, we both love Corner West, and Corner West also is responsible for a lot of our intellectual journey. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So you know, I was I was starting to be you know you know introduced to you know this this kind of uh, uh, politic or this kind of analysis that that mm-hmm. you know kind of uh, locates you know social hierarchies or systems of domination within an economic system of production. And I was also mm-hmm. you know kind of active in. Uh, in kind of like student activism on campus. Um, yes. But I started to become like, cause yeah, yeah, I started to become, you know, like a deeply disillusioned with it. Cause I felt like, yes. you know, I felt like it was actually part of a kind of a larger like 
neoliberal project. Yeah, I, mm. I went to, a, you know, I went to a, a fairly prestigious school. So go on, uh, flex on us. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can say it if you want to. Uh, <laughs> he's like he's a Colombia. This this nigga went to Colombia. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to you know that that school, uh, <laughs> and uh, and you know I was involved with student activism, but it it felt like you know while there there was some good work that was being done, and there was actually some you know especially with you know like uh, some of the, the work around Palestine, there was some uh, serious wins made by the people doing good mm-hmm. work on the campus. I don't want to diminish people doing good work on campus. But I do yes. feel like in, in places like that, you also have, you know, kind of this this strain of quote unquote activism in which what you're actually doing is like trying to include people within uh, or make sure people have, you know, uh, their place within the ruling class. Because let's not yes. be dishonest, you know, these are institutions in which the ruling, you know, this is where the ruling class go to school. And this is I produced. Get, yeah, and, and where they are further produced and reproduced. Yes. Um, right? Like, if you just if you just think about, you know, like the, the kind of economic, you know, background that a lot of these kids come from, keep in mind that, like, 50% of the kids there don't receive financial aid. And to not receive financial oh, wow. aid usually requires at a school like that for a family income to be over about like 250,000 and 250,000 wow. annual income is, is a fairly I don't don't misquote me. I think it's probably like 10 probably like 10% uh, you know around the 10% percentile, you know, for, for like family income. So get, you know, kind of understand, you know, the the the, the realm that you're in and the institution that you're in and the people that are there. And when your activism is kind of fighting to just include yourself and make sure that you, you, you know, you, you get what, what you deserve from that particular ruling class mm. institution and, and not caring, you know, as, as much as we, we should or about, you know, the surrounding community and not pushing as hard to, you know, care about the surrounding community. Mm-hmm. Then, in that environment, oh, yeah. sorry to interject, sorry to interject, and please, I will let you finish, but I also like you to include this in your response as well. In that environment, then, so what led to disillusionment, and why do you think, in your estimation, that it's just in those institutions, which you find a lot of time, you know, and we we talk about neoliberalism a lot, but mm-hmm. you know, it almost as if people just want to get more of the capitalist pie for for themselves, yeah, or yeah, people yeah. They, or people they know immediately. It's not yeah. about the collective anymore. So did you see that? Is that what kind of led to a disillusionment or was it more? Well, it was just like people was putting all this energy into, you know, kind of, you know, pushing for their, their diversity and inclusion within those particular, within this particular space. But niggas mm-hmm. is starving, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right? Like, you know, Harlem is suffering, you know, or like, you know, many places in New York is suffering. You know, what is, how much energy or, or action is being put towards being of support or leveraging the resources that you have in the in this yes. surrounding community, so I, I was disillusioned by by that because I felt like because I was just looking at the stark difference, you know. I, I didn't have to. I mean, I'm a, I was an engineering person, right? Like I didn't have to be yeah. a sociologist to just kind of observe, you know, the stark differences between how wh- what people would call, you know, uh, you know, subjugated, you know, persons in in the university versus you know the people that come there to to serve us food mm. <laughs> or to clean our halls. You know, there's there's yeah. a stark difference between how each of us is living, regardless of the of the the racial or gender yeah. background that we occupy. You know, you you sit in in this 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 fortress, and and some people uh, lay labor. You know, 
uh, in this fortress and go back to the ghetto once the sun sets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there was that disillusionment. So I just kind of like fell away. And then and then I always talk about like my first job out of college was surprisingly enough going, going to these schools. You know, they kind of push everybody to go to finance or consulting. So I, I was yeah. a materials engineering major. And uh, and, you know, sometimes the job market is actually pretty tough. To, yes. to work in your actual in your actual like engineering field mm-hmm. uh, if you're going to the school because they're prioritizing pushing you into other things um mm-hmm. so I, I ended up working in a, a in like this uh this kind of this kind of facility in which we would test metals for the airplane industry and it, you know it was, a, it was a blue collar job it's not something you expect you know someone going to after they graduate from an ivy league school yeah and you know i was i was you know i was amongst you know uh, my coworkers at this blue collar job, and you know, you could you could see very clearly, you know, some some of the, the you know phenomena that 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 are often described. You know, like mm. you, you see the tension between the workers and management. You know, you know, you see wow. the pressures uh, by things like just in time production. You know, you you see um, the cutting of, of of benefits, the the cut of you know profit sharing, the, the deterioration of, of working class power, the lack of of unions, the lack of ability to politically organize, you know, mm-hmm. just in that in that workplace. So you know, it, it was that that furthered my, you know, and and you know, I'm I'm in there, and you know, like you you hear, you know, what your coworkers are talking about and speaking of, and how this stuff like affects their real lives, you know, yes, you know, they're talking about like how they're gonna, you know, feed their family, you know, provide healthcare for their family, you know. So so I always, you know, I I feel like you know my my journey has always been rounded out by both you know things that i've read and in personal experience no i hear that man i hear that man so then it's interesting because i mean i think a lot of people come to like a revolutionary politic by way i mean it's so many ways some people it kind of hits them in the face that they've been exploited some people just read something and they radicalize some people through through conversation with others and some people through like literally falling in love falling in love with revolutionary figures Mm -hmm. but we often say don't we speak about like how we have we just we don't we have to kind of that might be people's starting point, but then we've seen in real time what happens when you make trauma your politics, isn't it? Or when yeah, you center yeah. you as an individual in your politics, right. because you no longer, it's all about, again, it delivers the results which you mentioned. Like it just delivers the results of, okay, I just want better for myself and people, those in my immediate circle, mm-hmm. I, rather than seeing yourself as a part of a, a collective. So I find I find that I find that quite interesting, quite interesting. So, what are some of the things you're like working on now, thinking with now, then, in terms of like politics and how's your how's your thinking developed since then? Are you still reading Marxist stuff or? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm continuing to you know uh, read you know Marxist stuff. I think you know uh, as I stated before, I, I've had you know particular like uh, you know um, I had a, a kind of a religious struggle, so I was also you know kind of rooted in in reading you know things that you know entertain my religious curiosities and you know uh our good friend Amadou you know has been helpful in that even though you know he he practices Islam you know like uh, it's been it's been a great way for me to look into other like kind of religious traditions that he's put me on to uh, Meister Eckhart which is you know kind of a more of a mystical approach to to Christianity that it may be more in line you know like Mm. mysticism um so yes and and you know it's interesting because you know it just it just goes to show how like complex things can be in terms of you know that, that we want to like draw kind of all these demarcations, but the links between various ideologies, schools of thought, yeah, uh, can can those links can be drawn in, in many places, and and traditions can be much closer than 
than you would presume. So, and, and with that in mind, you know, even think, speaking or thinking about, you know, like political or economic things that I've looked into and, and which I've probably been like most heavy on as of late, it just, you know, I just continue to, to approach things with a certain sobriety, you know, yes. and with a certain, you know, you know, not like a lack of expectation, but just a willingness to understand that at any time, you know, uh, things are just going to get more complex. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be more variables to consider. There's always going to be more things to understand. And there is no, you know, kind of just, you know, there's no one tool. A hundred percent. And we've said that a lot. We've said right. that a lot. We've said that, you know, in, in the quest for liberation, yes, we talk, we have a material analysis, which I, just, I still firmly am committed to in the sense that it delivers real relief in real time very quickly. But I don't believe that liberation will be found solely in the political. I think, you know, there's so much work that needs to be done. Again, I think, and you know, and there's so much things that need to be done. So in kind of like, okay, so yeah, what kind of books would you recommend to our listeners then? If they want to develop a like revolutionary politic, <laughs> what helped you? Well, I would say I really enjoy, I'll just, I'll just say what we're currently reading. Cause I feel like those, those are great. You know, like yeah. we're currently reading. You know, we currently just finished The State and Revolution by Vladimir Lenin. The book is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that guy's funny, bro. That guy's funny. You know, guy that guy you know that that Lenin is on Twitter today. Yeah, he will be facts. dragging niggas in the PL. Yeah, yeah. Facts, <laughs> facts, facts. State and Revolution, Black Jacobins by C.L.R. James. You know, that's a great yeah. one. Uh, Women, oh, Race, man. and Class by Angela Davis. I, I really enjoyed that book. What else? What else? Uh, what, 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 what reasons did you really enjoy uh, Women, Race, and Class? Well, I, I really enjoy, you know, how she kind of, you know, uh, back to the, to, the, to the point earlier, right, that, you know, that you have a, a economic system that requires inequity. And when you require inequity, you must divide uh, labor amongst the population and, and mm -hmm. uh, gender and race can be used to kind of uh, characterize particular individuals to, to carry out particular, you know, tasks. Or... You see when I said this nigga spitting? <laughs> see when so... I said this nigga spitting? This is what I get. This is, no, this is, what I, this is, the, this is the education I'm getting, guys. <laughs> so, you know, so for the, for the, the slave, right, for the black, for the black woman on the, woman on the plantation, she, her womanhood cannot be understood as like white womanhood, right? Because she had to mm -hmm. fulfill particular, you know, labor tasks. You know, she had to work in the fields yep. you know, as well as the house. Yep. You know, so... Her, you know, she was not afforded, but she was not, you know, given, you know, yeah. a characterization of fragility, uh, mm -hmm. you know, characterizes someone to be protected in the way that, the, you know, the Victorian or the, the white, you know, bourgeois woman was at the time. So you, you see, you know, very, you know, she, and Angela Davis is a Marxist, you know, so she, yeah. so she's heavy on that, you know, so. Yeah, I, I think it was, it's, you know, a great example of, you know, kind of the things that we've been talking about. It's a, very, it's a very easy read. It's a very instructive read. Yes. Highly read. Yes. I also like to read some like interesting, you know, like papers and stuff. So I read, I think, I, I can't remember the exact title, but it was a, it was a paper on W.E.B. Du Bois's uh, visit to Maoist China and how he was developing mm. a relationship at the time with uh, Maoist uh, China and how that was actually integral to, to some of the, some of the wins for, for civil rights and for black Americans in in wow. uh, the U.S., right, like using kind of international solidarity to push for, you know, wins within our context. So, you know, it's it's important, again, you know, to, in, in this day and age where, you know, a lot of people, 
you know, like to be anti-solidaristic. It's it's not it's important to not forget, you know, how certain uh, kind of uh, how certain uh, solidarity uh, can be made across, you know, hundred uh, percent, you know, national lines and stuff like that. Hundred percent. I mean, we often speak about. I mean, this is not to obviously never ever would ever say. Um, Malcolm, sorry, Martin Luther King's le- Jr.'s legacy has been diminished. But you often say that maybe I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. And I don't want to mischaracterize what you said. But is it fair to say you don't think he gets enough props in certain topics? Right, right. I don't think he gets enough props for his like intellectual depth. You know, his his real scholarship. You know, the man is mm-hmm. he's a bona fide scholar. You know, if you read, I remember reading. You know, this this other you know kind of paper he had written. I think when he was in the seminary about, you know, Reinhold Niebuhr, who was a famous, you know, Christian theologian. And he's mm-hmm. talking about the uh, the dialectical relationship between eternity and history, the ideal mm-hmm. and reality, and how that shapes his his politics and how, you know, one may always, you know, push towards an ideal in their struggle for liberation, but it may not be realized, which is very similar to some sort of, mm-hmm. some of the concepts that... Um, Cornell West talks about in prophecy deliverance, right? That, yes. You know, there's, you know, human nature could be understood as one's proclivity to change things or one's depravity to remain unchanged. And those who wow. have a proclivity towards transformation understand that, that, uh, that you know, transformation, uh, you know, that the ideal may never, never be reached, but we push forward anyway. That is, you know, the, the story of the tragic as opposed to the story of the pathetic, which is one who's who seeks to, you know, not change things. Yeah, I mean that that's in line for me with like the Islamic understanding of you know why we do what we do. Obviously, we want to achieve what we want. That's what we do. We want to achieve things, but at the same time, we are not like goal oriented in the same way. We are principle oriented. No, we are goal oriented, but I want to say we're not. We're not primarily goal oriented. First and foremost, we, we do we do what we do because it's the right thing to do. It's on the That's, yeah, on the principles. So we're principle yeah. oriented first Thanks. and foremost, and then then we, we we from through because of because we have principle stances that leads us to have the goals that we have in, the, in anyway. Right, 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 right. And then we want to achieve those goals by by being principle. We we hope we hope that we can achieve those goals. Mm-hmm. But I know for real, for real, for real. And what else is that you're thinking of recently, man? What else are you thinking of? What else are you trying to work on? Uh, yeah, I'm not, not not personally though. I just mean like in general. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. You're about to say, oh, you want to? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel like this this is like personal, but it's you know I can leave it abstract enough, so I'm not diving into my personal life. But yeah, you know. I think, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about is, you know, trying to figure out how to appreciate people in my life. Mm. And, you know, as much as I like to talk about politics and stuff, and, yeah. you know, especially when politics are so centered around, you know, these principles of whether they be egalitarianism or, you know, radical compassion, with which is in, you know, kind of revolutionary Christian tradition, you know, it's important to also just, you know, figure out how to be, you know, a good person. Yes. These things are not divorced. But, you know, Speak on that. It, it, and, and that is further reason, you know, to kind of think about these things. So, I'm, so I guess I've been thinking about, you know, all the love that has been put into me by various people, uh, including yourself, and, and figuring hey. out how uh, how to best appreciate those people, how to best lift those people up and understand uh, and let them know how much they, they mean to me in my life. 
mm. and exploring different avenues. No, and I think you raise a very important point, and I call myself an aspiring abolitionist because, you know, I do want to kind of remove, you know, as someone said the other day, kill the cop in your head. And I think about, by extension, kill the notions of carcerality in your head as well. It's very important. It's, it's, it's difficult. You know, we speak about transformative and restorative justice, but sometimes we're like, ah, I just want to sometimes, I mean, sometimes niggas just want to need to get shot. That's the problem sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so you live, you know, you live, you exist in that, in that, in that weird kind of paradigm, a weird kind of like, oh, where do I want to be? But again, I'm aspiring to be better. I'm aspiring to be on the side where I can, you know, have more, much more mercy. Because I do believe in the principles of like mercy, and I feel justice is rooted in love and mercy. It sounds very abstract, but I do believe that's what justice should be rooted in anyway. And again, again, how can you be a beacon? of the politics you're saying that you want to build a healthier world, you want to be healthier communities, but you don't exhibit those principles in your own personal life. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think it's important for the the personal reason. And I say that just because, like, I don't want to over kind of play, you know, the personal in the political as well. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. I wrestle with this question, right? Because what you don't want to get into is is kind of a a self-righteousness or a, a... lifestyle politic right yes because we commodify lifestyle lifestyles are something that are sold to us and we Mm -hmm. don't want you know our kind of personal actions or also our personal consumer choices to be you know the ways in which we're the only ways in which we're expressing the political because the political is collective right the political is institutional the political is organizational so if it's Mm -hmm. not a but you know if it does it has to lead back to that and it has to lead Back to engaging a real struggle of power with, you know, various, uh, you know, uh, leveraging certain forces against others um, to, to create, you know, real change, real political change in people's lives. You know, it's, it's very easy in an era of neoliberalism, and I'm not throwing that word out there, you know, just as a buzzword, but, you know, like yes. neoliberalism as an era in which you know we identify or we locate sovereignty of the individual and one as a consumer it's very important not to you know make sure that you're engaging in a consumer politic and in an individual politic and then because then you're just playing into the larger you know paradigm of the day Uh, and that's yes that's that's uh then that defeats you know, the whole purpose. Yeah, <laughs> it's your whole purpose, you know. It's, yeah. You know, you. I mean, you mentioned something before, and I, I couldn't, I wouldn't even attempt to say it as eloquently as you did when you spoke about the how you know we buy into brands or how we become known by our brands or we become known by what we own. I know you and you spoke about a very specific type of economic model. I don't know if you want mm-hmm. to. I don't know if you remember that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So there's this chapter, and this is often talked about. You know, this is often talked about by other. I've heard it talked about it with other scholars as well. But the mm-hmm. chapter that I remember, you know, kind of most vividly talking about this is a chapter in this book. It's called "When Will Capitalism?" And I think it was written mm-hmm. in 2016 by Wolfgang Street. And there's a chapter mm-hmm. in there called "The Consumer Society." And so. He talks about the consumer society. Well, one could say the consumer society actually arises and, you know, out of like, you know, like kind of like New Deal era, blah, blah, blah. But like, mm-hmm. you know, what what you have is that, you know, if you had an era of Fordist production in which you had like mass produced goods, you know, everything, you know, is, is mass produced. They're kind of uniform and they're 
distributed amongst the population, especially within the uh, kind of Western world. But, you know, you reached an age, uh, a point in which we were trying to, you know, like diversify production. So it wasn't so much as producing, you know, these kind of mass produced, you know, uniform goods. Now you can make small changes within production to diversify production. So you can create individual products to various people's liking in, in a society where, you know, the con- where, you know, you have an emphasis on the consumer, you want to up, you know, consumer satisfaction, you can provide these kind of diversified commodities to, you know, increase consumer satisfaction. So when you have, you know, these diversified products that you can now imbue, you know, values, you know, beliefs, ideals, yep. even politics into these kind of yep. uh, different commodities, then one, you know, consumes not just for the sake of, you know, feeding themselves or for putting a roof over their head, furnishing mm-hmm. their own, uh, not just kind of utility, but also for a, a certain, you know, value for one's identity. You know, now you can mm. kind of create identity within the things that you consume. And it, th- this this is, you know, you could say that, you know, oh yeah, you're sure you identify with, with a commodity or an item, you know, all throughout history. But this is, this is a particular, you know, time and space in which you're offered a, a plethora of options, you know, yes. like you're offered a plethora of options and you, you, you see a, a rise of, you know, kind of like these consumer subgroups forming and people forming mm-hmm. community around consumption, you know, yes. like this is that and, and how it's tied to a particular mode of production is as as it's described there is uh, unprecedented and you know there, there's further analysis to by other people i've seen you know talk about how this can be extended to you know the death of uh, of you know engaging in the political and mm-hmm. trying to represent their beliefs and values through through consumption as opposed to engaging the political and you know you this is also contextualized in the western world with the decline of you know especially in the u.s with the decline of like uh, labor unions the the decline of collective Mm. institutions so when you're deprived of collective institutions and you're offered these kind of consumer subgroups through which you can you know individually you can make these consumer decisions as an individual what then do you have and you know the the, what's further wrong about this is that you know these are also frictionless communities, right? Mm. If I have an obligation to, you know, say m- my family and there's a bunch of exceptions to this. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to act like there aren't, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of unhealthy, toxic, you know, family dynamics or whatever. But, you know, yeah. just, just say that, you, you know, you have an obligation to your uh, grandfather to care for him, you know, to, mm-hmm. to go see him, make sure he's okay. You know, this, then third, you can't, you can't let that go because he's your grandfather. Right. Yes. Because you, you owe something. You have a duty to him. Yes. If you're built a community around a consumer subgroup, like, you know, all your friends are there. I'm in the fashion. So like they're yeah. they're Nike, you know, they're Nike sneaker people. Right. They're in this mm-hmm. Nike sneaker. If you don't like Nike sneakers anymore, you can just leave. You know, what I yes. mean, like, you know, you just you just make a different consumption choice. Yeah. Maybe you like Adidas now. Now your your ties to that community is severed, and your exit from that community is fairly frictionless. There's no mm. deep, you know, commitment in the way that there is in other forms of community, say like a family or maybe maybe even mm. religious. But you know, again, I don't want to. You know, I'm not. You know, th- th- there's a fine line to walk here because we also understand that sometimes those obligations and those duties uh, can yes. be, you know, overstated and uh, and can introduce, you know, uh, uh, abusive dynamics as well. So I, d- I don't want to discount that. 
No, no, hundred percent. I think it's very interesting about when you said that because immediately, immediately, I thought of how you know by certain by your consumer habits, you want an inference to be made about you, and people are going to make the inference about you anyway. Mm-hmm, so it's like mm-hmm. you know, I own this case, therefore right. clearly I'm a social justice warrior, or mm-hmm, I own mm-hmm. this, therefore I must. And I think it's a cop out, personally. Right, a lot right, of the time. right, right. So, Apart so for a lot, like, you know, it's like, it's like that nigga Duray. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, like the part about that that gets further about this is also, you know, the focus not necessarily on concrete action and collective, uh, you know, organization, but self presentation, right? Like the politics is then about you know self self presentation. How do you choose to present yourself? Because you know. Fashion is great again for thinking about this, right? You make you 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 go into deep intellectual deliberation about how one must present themselves. You stand in the mirror mm-hmm. for a long time, and this is this is not just uh, and, and you try to you know synthesize your personality within you know uh, wow. particular external symbols, whether it be through your clothes, you know, through the objects that you own, through the things that you post. So you know. Uh, that's where your intellectual energy is going, right? That's where your all your effort is going into. It's about how how will I present myself to these people um, instead of you know how will I organize with these people to you know kind of gain some sort of political win or you know what whatever uh, you know put food on the table, uh, health care, you know whatever issues you're concerned about. But how do I show sure. people that I care about the issue? Again, again, <laughs> it's, it's like it's just a cop out, like for a lot of the time, because it, it just it removes. Again, it's like Deidre was saying on the on a previous episode that you know it's easy for a corporation to put twenty thousand anti racist training. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's easy for a corporation to, to put on Black Lives Matter and post a black square or make or run a competition for black creatives. What's what's real? What's what's really the issue is when they stop mining cobalt in the congo where people are dying for 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 them to for you so that so that people can have iphones that's what you know what i mean and I, I keep telling people that's why i try and tell people you know we have to adopt an internationalist thinking in our politics because again yeah. if you say black black lives matter do you mean just black lives matter only in america mm-hmm. do black lives matter mm-hmm. only in the uk is that what you're right. saying or do you mean black lives right. matter globally and if you're saying which obviously i believe that black lives matter globally then of course they have to adopt the internationalist internationalist thinking because the technologies and systems of uh, of oppression that allow um, you know I don't, I don't, I don't know you know America's you know crazy and so is the UK in terms of racism but again no one's gonna stand here and say that us as black people in America and this is not to play oppression Olympics but no one would say that us black people in America and and, and the UK given what we have is more oppressed than those living in the global south. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. the luxuries that we <laughs> luxuries that we and the little luxuries that we do enjoy comes with the exploiting of people who could be our literal cousins in the global south. Right. So again, I just keep telling people we have to keep trying to adopt that lens of connecting the dots. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, bro, this, we can go on forever, man. But yeah, I, yeah. I like to keep my about this about this length anyway. This has been a yeah, dope yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put Christian's uh, socials in the comments he may not reply to you but you know (laughs) (laughs) i'll try man you know i just get really anxious with you know messaging and stuff but like if you reach out if you reach out in in good faith if you have a question you want me to shoot you a link or if you have something that 
you know, maybe I said something in here that's, again, you know, and I think this is what I also love about um, Mamadou. I think both of us, you know, try to engage in good faith and understand mm-hmm. at any moment, you know, we, we try our hardest to learn things, but at any moment we could be wrong, you know, like, so, you know, if, if I said something on here that's, that's false and you want to point it out to me, then, you know, go ahead and hit my DM. I'm always trying to learn. And th- again, you know, in the spirit of appreciating friends, you know, I just want to say, you know, uh, I was actually fairly nervous about coming on here, but Mamadou has a way of, of making people feel very comfortable. And I appreciate, <laughs> uh, I appreciate that from him very much. And I, I appreciate, again, you know, him as someone who engages intellectually, he always engages in good faith and he always engages uh, and puts forth his best effort. So that is something I truly admire. And, and, ah, you, and for all your listeners, man, like you're tuning in to, to listen to a good guy speak, man. <laughs> Thank so, you so yeah. much, man. Thank you so much, my bro. You know, it's nothing but love, man. Yeah, this that, is that, the Malcolm true. Effect with Mama Do. Please like, comment, subscribe, either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Until next time, people, speak. Take care and speak soon.